Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. Have a very merry COVID Sunday with all of your social distancing. At least I have been practicing social distancing every time that I preach all these many years. Okay, that's not funny. I thought it was going to be funny. Beautiful day outside, though. Welcome that, huh? Have you guys been eating chili lately? What state are you living in? You're supposed to say, hallelujah, yes. They've had so many good places in town. There's lots of hatch green chili. I've been trying it on every meal. The, the one thing that it's sort of off with that doesn't really taste that great is bananas. So, but uh, other than that, I think every, it goes with everything. Well, we're in the book of James. Our series is titled um, Reset. That is James, a very early book written to the church that has in it a lot of the essential elements of what we should believe and what we should cling to, very Jewish and very authentic. And he, right now, during a time of flux, it's like every other week or maybe every other month, we are experiencing a new normal, right? A brand new normal, something completely different. But within the context of our faith, the tenets of what we believe and the character and the nature of what we've been given doesn't change. And because of that, it's time to hit a reset. Well, today we're going to talk about trusting God or trusting in ourselves. It's a big issue. You know, in life, um, you ask the question a lot, who do I trust? And who do you trust with your life? The list is not very large, is it? When it comes down to trusting your life, there is a sense that there's only a few people that are qualified. Well, when it comes to protecting your children, the list gets even smaller, doesn't it? You trust less people with taking care of your children. Like some people like will come over and say, hey, we'll take care of your kids. And you're like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, they have rashes. That wouldn't be a good idea, right? In my formative years, many of you know that I worked in farms and on ranches. And one of the the experiences I'll never forget is when I got older, the last farmer I ever worked for was this guy who was a few years older than me, I think my sister's age, maybe 10 years older. And in high school, he was just crazy. But he began to take over his father's farm. And he's sort of the last guy you would think that would take over the mantle of responsibility, but he did it. And I can remember him falling off of things, doing things that were daring. I saw him wreck on a motorcycle a couple of times. And uh, so I'm working for him. And I'm thinking, I wonder what this is going to be like. But he was pretty successful, and it was a lot of fun. Until the day that he dropped me off at work and said, he dropped me off in the field, and then I would work. And then later, 12 hours later, he would come back and pick me up. And um, so dropped me off in the pickup, 
And he had just bought a Cessna 110, a small little plane, and learned how to fly. And he kept begging me, would you, would you just get in the plane with me? It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm like, no. I've seen you in vehicles. I've seen you in motorcycles. I've seen you. No. And he found a way. Because I looked up at the end of the row when I'm driving my tractor up, and I see his plane landing in a turn row, a dirt road. And so when I get there, get out of the, the, the tractor, I walk up there, and he says, well, I guess you're riding home with me. And I thought, Lord, you know, my life is in your hand, right? My destiny is with you, but don't you think this is a little cruel sort of way to have to die at this guy's hand? So I get in the plane, and he flew in such a way that it ensured that I made sure that I brought my own transportation to and from work for the rest of the time I worked with him. If we view ourselves at the center of everything, then we'll find that we are in conflict with God and his will. And that's what we're going to look at today. Learning to live our life in God's hand as opposed to living for ourselves, for the, our own purposes. And there is a difference, my friend. Let's say this together. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he's transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art, and may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's right. Okay. When it comes to living, we mentioned that there's a choice. Either your life in this world, you at the center, or God at the center of that. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, we've chosen this week to go through James chapter 4. Wow, that's feeding back. James chapter 4, verse 13 to the rest of the chapter, and then all the way into 5, verse 6. But we're going to flip-flop that and start in chapter 5. Then we'll get to chapter 4. All right. Now listen, you rich. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgement. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. Wow. That's tough words. That's a sermon right there. I mean, I'm glad that I'm reading these words from someone else, uh, from the agency of the Holy Spirit to another writer, but it would be hard to have such a powerful uh, display like that. But, but here's, here's the point. <clears throat> there were those who were living in Jerusalem. 
There were, and I don't know if he was speaking to just the church members. This is pretty tough if he is. Or was he speaking to a wider audience? I think it was probably a wider audience. But he's going to, to, to really hone in on what they're doing because, okay, he says, you're living in a way that puts you in the middle. You are the goal of it all. You're the goal of life. And this story that you're writing about you is all about you and how everything relates to you. Why? Because he said, look, you've gotten rich and you've become wealthy. You've gathered up gold and silver to yourself, okay? And you've hoarded all the wealth in these last times. And you live on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. And what you don't realize is that focus that you've placed upon yourself is okay. Um, the focus, okay, is totally upon you. Now, one of the things that most of us admire about this country that we live in is that it's filled with people from all over the world. There's something about knowing people who say, if I can just get to that country, maybe I'll have a chance. And so like in Albuquerque, you'll run into people from all different walks of life. And I like that. It reminds me that People are, are dreaming, people who don't have a chance in other places. Now, has we done everything right in this country? Absolutely not. You don't know why? I can tell you the reason why. Because there are human beings involved in every process on the earth, and human beings have been proven to be faulty and needing a help, God's help and each other's help. And so we can take a good thing and we can make it bad. I don't care who you are, that's human beings across the board everywhere in the world. You can't point to one group of human beings and say, oh, they're doing it perfectly. You're not paying attention. But there's something unique about opportunity. A friend of mine from Jordan I met a number of years back, he said, you know, Dave, in the country that I grew up in, the only way that a person could get ahead is if you had money to bribe officials or if you knew somebody. He said, many of us were bright, educated, we have uh, abilities, but it didn't matter how hard we worked, it didn't matter how smart we were, if you didn't know the right person or you didn't have the right money, he said, you couldn't make it. It's so frustrating. And me and my brothers had thought about, we'd heard about the U.S. and some of the things available, and we've heard from friends that opportunities that were available. So we came here, and we worked, and we worked, and we worked, and he said, David, Every day that I wake up, I hit my knees and kiss the ground and thank God for this country. And that's why it, it explained why his lips looked that way. I always wondered what happened to your lips, you know. But anyway, that's just a daily practice thing. But I'm not, I am not making an advertisement for America. I'm just using something that we all kind of understand and know. He's like... I work hard here and I have a chance. It's not for everybody, but it's kind of the dream. That you come, you work hard, you do the best you can, and you're going to have a chance. It doesn't always work out that way for everybody, but that's the idea 
That's what makes it attractive to so many people. However, there's a problem with prosperity, isn't there? There's a problem with prosperity, is that once you reach a certain level of prosperity, then it becomes commonplace, and now you have the temptation not to just work hard and to achieve and to have something for yourself. You, you, you all of a sudden have the temptation of becoming greedy, right? Uh, I made this, I got this much, I can make more over here, I can do these things. And then all of a sudden, your focus changes from building something to yourself, and that all of this is because of you and what you've done. And therefore, somehow you deserve it. That's how greed pulls us in. By the way, you don't have to be wealthy to be greedy. Okay? You don't have to be wealthy to be covetous. But the, the, what he's focusing in here is not people who just have money. It's that they have gotten to a point to where they believe they deserve and they have become the center of the world, their world, therefore leaving God out of it and thinking somehow they're responsible for it all. And God said, that's a bad place to be. You've literally fattened yourself up for the slaughter. What you thought was perfect, what you thought was good, has really turned negative on you. That's where we're hard work and accomplishment and process that's when greed comes in and goes beyond that. And now the person is no longer thinking about getting ahead. That person is thinking about what they need and what they have. That's the danger. You get the picture. <clears throat> he goes on in verse 4. You know, he says, not only are you the center of it all, and it doesn't produce what you want, but he goes on to say that you're willing to make others pay for your success. Not just you, others should be a part of paying for my success. Look at verse 4. Look, the wages you, you failed to pay the workers who moved your mowed your fields are crying against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You get that? You get that? He says, you got to the point to where you forgot that you yourself were a laborer. You forgot what it meant to work all day and to get just enough pay to take care of your family. And you feel that you are more deserving than that person, therefore you don't pay them. That is a sign right there. If you're willing to build your success off the backs of other people without any remuneration, or consideration for their own humanity, he's saying, look, at, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. Their back pay is crying out to heaven. You know that? Ripping off poor people to make yourself better. Sometimes we wonder, what, what does God say about it? God doesn't like that. I don't know what Bible you read or which one. You read the New Testament. You find out from Jesus. You read about the, the Lord's desire for caring for those who don't have, a mu have as much, those who are <clears throat> disadvantaged, those who are vulnerable. You want to figure out the heart of God. You better pay attention to those folks. And I'm not talking about politics. I don't care what party you belong to. I don't care what party you don't go to. I don't care if you're a partier at all. I'll tell you one thing. 
God is more concerned about his kingdom. You've got to get that straight, number one. God doesn't care so much about other people's parties and who's going to fix this and we're going to and whatever. You listen to this, there's clarity. God says, hmm, I can hear that. Their money's talking to me, the money that you stole from them. Then he says, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. There's folks who have been taken advantage of because of your own greed, because you are at the center of your universe. He said, God's like, I hear him. I can hear him. You ever wonder if God hears the poor? You want to hear God hears the cries of those who have been taken advantage of? Absolutely. Absolutely. The worst part about all of this is in verse 6. God is a, your world, if you are at the center, you are opposed to God yourself. Verse 6 says, You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. This gives away the direct identity of the people that he's speaking to. He was speaking directly to the ruling, <clears throat> religious ruling class in Jerusalem, who at that time had sewn up all of the exchange of money and so forth and taxes to Rome with the Temple Mount. They had sewn all of that up. In fact, you can go on a tour of Jerusalem today and go to their houses that were burned in a fire but were very elaborate homes in the upper area in Jerusalem. He says, you've made these connections with Rome. The most important thing is you're going to keep the peace and, and cut down the rebel rousers and try to stop insurrections. Thereby, Rome keeps funneling the money, and that's a good arrangement. That's the most important thing. Commerce, the economy, everything's the most important thing is to keep this thing going, right? Here's a problem. The problem is, is that taking care of themselves and viewing the world through how the world relates to me and how it affects me and my personal bottom line means that God could speak to me, God could speak to you, and we would never hear it. And that we would seem to be in opposition to God because he said, you're the ones who murdered the innocent one, my brother. You're the ones that did it. I mean, they had been trained in the scripture. Surely they would have been able to recognize the Messiah. People who were living out in the fields who were uneducated heard his voice gladly and came to him. But all they saw, all they heard was somebody who said he's the Messiah. He was the king of the Jews. They worshiped him. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, this guy's going to cause trouble for us. This guy's going to cause trouble for our status quo and the flow of finances. And that's what he's condemning. He's saying... Because of your arrangement and because you are at the center of, of your universe, you will even be opposed to God. You won't even see when God comes. 
you'll see God as the problem. That's, that's the deal. It's not whether somebody has a lot of money or not. You know, the question is, does it have you? Is it blinding you? You can be very, I know so many believers who God has blessed and they use it for the kingdom and it's just amazing. The testimony. It's, it's the other issue. Whose world are you living in? This is what life looks like when you're at the center of your world. Chapter 4, going backwards to verse 13. He gives the, the truth about your world. If you're at the center, here's the truth about your world. Verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city. Okay, we'll spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, why do you not even know what will happen to you? You don't even know what will happen to, to you tomorrow. He says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. You're a mist that appears for a little bit, then vanishes. One of my favorite things when I used to live up in the mountains of northern New Mexico was getting up early in the morning and either heading out on a bike ride or maybe going fishing. <clears throat> And oftentimes what you would find in the morning is you would have this low-lying fog or mist that is out there, and the sun hadn't yet completely peered over the mountains yet. You could see the sunlight coming, but yet there was still the moisture in the air. And sure, sure as ever, as the sun came over, that mist would begin to vanish, and it was gone. For whatever you think about your life, you know, we all like to think that uh, we know that we're all going to die, but we like to live like we're going to live forever. But I've attended enough funerals to find out that the, the reality is that it really is a vapor in comparison to the length of time and the existence of the earth and God and so forth. It is a vapor. Notice here he says that you're planning we're going to go here. We're going to do these things. We're going to go make money. God isn't saying that planning is wrong, but he's saying that your planning has to be put into perspective. Your planning has to be put into perspective. Listen, how much control do you actually have over the totality of your life? Maybe you have some control over yourself. We sh we're all told to exhibit self-control in Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit. But do you control the other drivers around you? Do you control what's going on in other people's hearts and minds? Are you in control of families' lives? There's so many variables that would say that you're not in control of your world, right? Like the other day, Drivers, I don't know, they're just getting crazy. You know, I was driving along and then all of a sudden um, this car is just veering right at me. And I'm, I'm like, I gotta put my phone down or this guy's gonna run over me. <laughs> it's crazy out there. Now, 
There are billions of people who've lived on this earth, living right now. And for you or I to live or even think that we're at the center of all of it is crazy. And if, if you could have a lot of control, how much do you really want? Because if it's just your desire versus my desire, and we say, I'm the center of all activity, then that means that the world stays in a constant state of war against itself, each other. Because I'm at the center. Well, no, I'm at the center. Okay, there's an argument. Let's get after it. It was just announced this week that Steve Bezos, long-time, old-time Albuquerque alumni, is worth the richest man in the world, $200 billion. That's right, I said it. Like something happens to you when you got that much money, all of a sudden you go from, yeah, I just work hard and I want to provide things for people to $200 billion, right? Like, <laughs> it's, I don't know what happens, but it just happens. <laughs> and um, it, you know how rich he is. Because his ex-wife, they stated, is the richest woman in the world. But you know what? His life is a vapor, like the scripture says. And the totality of humanity and the long, broad length of, of, of the world and God's kingdom, it is a vapor. It is a vapor. See, it's nothing in comparison to God's power. And most importantly, it's not even close to the authority of God and the authority of his sovereignty in the world. Authority means that he has the right to judge. He has the right to exude power. But even more, he is sovereign with complete authority and power over all, completely. So we can come and go. We can be poor. And we can, uh, no one in the world know about us. We can be the richest person in the world, the most famous person in the world. You're a mist today, may a fancy mist, but you're gone tomorrow in God's kingdom and God's world. That's, that's the truth about you at the center of your world, right? Jesus said it really well, Matthew chapter 7. He said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And what happens after that? You don't have to put the scripture up, but basically the rains come down, the streams go up, the winds come in, and the house that's built on a rock off of doing what Jesus says stands, right? Hurricane season, everybody knows about that. He says, but those of you who hear my words and don't do them, he said, it's like someone who built their house on the sand. The rains come. The streams rise, the winds blow and beat against it, and great is the fall of that house. Now, here's the big thing. That makes sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. Your house, your way, ignoring God, built on the sand. Built beachfront property, you know? Beachfront property looks great until hurricane season, right? Then you're so happy you live in Albuquerque. 
you know. We don't have any water to drink, but at least our houses are standing. All of our yards are we're growing rocks now and cactus. But here, here's the big deal. Look at verse 28. This is where it gets good. When Jesus had finished saying these things, okay, the crowd was amazed at his teaching. They were. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. You get that? He, the teachers of the law had knowledge, but when this guy spoke, he had authority. Ah, you may have abilities, but God has the authority. Get it? God has the authority, and we recognize that. It comes with his sovereignty. God's kingdom will last without any human interference at all, period. You see, he's getting people to pay attention to what he's doing in the world. You like to fight. Uh, you, you're being selfish. You don't understand that that's killing you and it's killing those around you. And if you all do it, none of this place works right. And so whatever system you put in place, whatever type of uh, policies or uh, practices that you put in, Eventually, they will just implode because it's all based upon you, and it's not based upon the one who actually has authority. I come in and say, trust me, put your life in my hands, all right, and love one another. Don't worry about this person or that person over there. You worry about pleasing me. And I'm going to remind you not to be selfish. And I'm going to remind you to repent of your sins. I'm going to remind you to keep, because my kingdom, see, for whoever gets elected, I'm sure God is not concerned, but aware. But one thing we got to get straight, Christians. If you're not a Christ follower this morning, thanks for being here. That's great. Consider you my guest. Well, one thing we have to get straight, he's not concerned about that stuff as much as we are. He's concerned about people who are willing to hear his voice and get on board with what he's doing. That's the most powerful thing. All of that stuff's going to last. All of that stuff carries into eternity. All this other stuff is a mist. All right, we've looked at what it, the world looks like with us in the center, okay? We've looked at the idea of the truth about our world according to Scripture. But now let's look at living in a better world, what I suggest God's world, from Him alone. Verse 15 of James chapter 4. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that, right? As it is, we boast, you boast, and our arrogant schemes, all such boasting, bragging, is evil. 
He said, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin to them. That is to say, listen, you're hearing what I say. You know that the adjustments need to be made. He said, don't blow it off as, as if it doesn't matter. Now that you know it means that you have to do it. Get the picture? See, here's the key. If we all live in a world, a world where we're at the center, we're missing the very point of living or life itself. We're missing the whole point. This thing wasn't intended to be that way. We see the trouble that it gets in when we do pursue that. You see, we were created to live for God and his plans, okay, not just for ourselves. Do we have to make plans? Sure we do. Sure we do. But when we live for me only, here's the problem. We find ourselves in competition with the rest of the world, and we find ourselves in competition with God. That's the problem. So what's the solution? Well, we have to recognize a few things. When we acknowledge that we are under God's sovereign Sovereignty, we begin to desire his will to be done in his way because we know his way is the best. You know, yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I love watching coaching movies where there's always some kind of coach, a bunch of just unmanageable jerk brat kids, and he comes in, all right. I want you to give me 750 laps around the gym. One thimble of water for every lap. You know, whatever. Come on, coach. I'm not going to put up with this. Then, you know, she, the coach, says, you know, they, they, they get together. They finally give in. And then they start winning and accomplishing things and finding out what they could do. We like those stories because there's a sense of trueness to that. There's a rebelliousness in in the nature of the human being that would kick against the good for autonomy. And he says, on the other hand, there's no need to kick against the good. The more we know and we realize, ah, smart guy, this God. He knows what's going on. And so we plan, but we submit our plans to God. Okay, and we submit them for his approval. Okay, we put we submit them for his redirection and adjustment, and oftentimes we submit them for his rejection. That's ah, not going to work. Maybe make some adjustments over here, because we long for his will to be done in our lives, because we've come to know that it's best, even down to the details. I was at a friend's house last night, a birthday party. And uh, I recall this story, and I'll tell it again now. God is, throughout my life, I've had so many occurrences of God being in these details that would seem to me to be so insignificant. You know, why why isn't my prayer for world hunger uh, being answered all the time? But years ago, I had one of the best vehicles ever built. I had a 1991 Dodge pickup. I paid 1500 bucks for it. It was worth every penny and triple. Just perfect vehicle. My middle daughter was learning how to drive, and so she, 
she was learning how to drive that vehicle and I was in the car with her. And the front bumper of that truck is steel. It is hardened steel. And we had a guy do an illegal U-turn and pull all the way over into the right lane. And she slammed on the brakes and of course there's no ABS and it just goes straight into the back of this compact car and the edge of the bumper got a hold of the back of the car and as the car speeded off, it literally looked like it shredded the whole back end of the car off. And when I stopped my pickup, all it did is it had this, you know, 45 degree angle, just, you know, bent bumper and that was it. So I pushed, drove the car up against the tree and kind of mashed it in a little bit thinking, uh, that's okay, but I'm going to have to get, you know, another bumper sometime. I'm going to have to go down to the salvage yard. And uh, I'd, it kind of been on my mind a lot. And then one evening I had to go to the pharmacy. I was picking up some uh, prescriptions for the kids or maybe myself, I don't remember, but I, it was probably around 7, 7.30 at night. And as I pulled into the parking lot, I pulled r- the car right in front of me was a pickup, and I noticed there was some guy in there with a cowboy hat. So pulled my pickup up, got out of the vehicle, went in, got the prescriptions, came out, <clears throat> and when I got back to my vehicle, I noticed a very thin young man, I would guess in his late teens, cowboy hat, and he said, sir, excuse me, um, <clears throat> looks like that you need <clears throat> a new bumper. I said, yeah. That's an understatement. Yeah, I do. He said, well, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I got up this morning and I needed money and I just felt the Lord said, you know, put that bumper from your old Dodge pickup in the back of your truck and drive on into Albuquerque. I thought, okay, this is point someone's going to jump out and punch me in the face or something, you know, like some trick. And I'm looking at him and he says, yeah, come back here and look. So I, I looked in the back of his truck and there it is. A bumper that would fit my vehicle perfectly. And a guy who's telling me the Lord told him to do this. And I said, well, how much do you want for it? He said, 50 bucks. You're looking at a guy that doesn't, that rarely has cash on me. I had 50 bucks in cash in my pocket. I handed it to him and I put that bumper in my truck. And I, I remember looking at the kid thinking or saying, man, whew, this is crazy. He goes, I know. I said, that's, that's the God we serve. I guess so. He goes, yeah. He left and I left. And and I know that you're thinking, you just made it up. Oh, it's true. I just made it up. No, I'm, I'm joking. It was really true, and it happened. And it seemed so insignificant, a bumper. But, but God was letting me know and has let me know, and many of you have experienced it yourself, that he, he knows where you are. He knows what you're going through, even the stuff that you're not really asking for or whatever. He has got a beat on it, even the details, Okay? This is important for the days to come. We've got less than 70 days till an election. There's going to be so much disunity and garbage, and it is going to be a gross 
testament to humanity. And we're going to be called to get discouraged and be afraid. And we're going to make plans and people are going to say, what's going to happen in the future? And, and we're going to wonder what's going on. Well, let me just tell you this. Get on board to God's world, right? Because he knows what's up. Life that we know may be changing again to a new normal, but God knows what's up. And God will bring people together. God will bring people from every tribe and nation together. God can make people get along and love each other where others will seek to divide us. You know, I was thinking, I was driving down the road the other day, and I, and I saw all the cars, and, and I was listening to the radio, and well, you know, that's such a terrible thing, and I can't believe this, and the coronavirus, and the election, and And I thought, it's just you nuts on the radio that's killing all of us. Because we get along with our neighbors. My neighbor, he votes so much different than me. He makes fun of everything that I believe in. And I, he's one of my favorite people. I love him. We aren't getting out and wanting to fight with each other. That's the picture we're given. And God's saying, don't get with my kingdom. You say if God wills, we'll do this, that, and the other thing. You say if God says it's okay, we'll do that. And you can live by my word and you can live by my peace and you can live by my values that will outlast the current insanity that you're living in. My friends, God is going to show up. Just be here when he gets there. Submit your plans to God and he will direct your path. Submit your plans to God and say, God, do you have the final, final signature on this? And watch what he does. And it will be glorious. It will be glorious. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together under your name. Lord, we pray that you would keep us together under your name. That what God has joined together, no human being or any group of people would ever break us apart. Help us, Lord, to see the bigger picture of the, the things that really matter. I pray for these folks here, those on the web today, that we would be experiencing a reset. Once again, saying it's your world we'll do it if it's your will. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.